Welcome to day two of the French Open on no challenges remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg. There were a couple of interesting results today as French Open first round action continued, including Iga Swiatek beating last year's finalist Marketa Vondrosheva in resounding fashion, 6-1-6-2. Bit of a surprise there. And on the men's side, Daniil Medvedev, who is the number four seed, dropped to 0-4 career at the French Open with a loss in four sets to Marton Fucevic. And the other result, which is going to be the one we highlight here today, was French number one, Gail Monfils Long, one of the most popular figures at the French Open, and the eighth seed of this year's tournament going down in four sets to Alexander Bublik, as we affectionately know him on NCR, Sasha Bubbles. Sasha Bubbles, Alexander Bublik, was kind enough to take some questions from me after his big win today over the Microsoft Teams application they're doing French Open Press on. So here is that interview there, a relatively short daily episode today, although I do have another interview I did with Bublik at the Australian Open that never went up running that was intended for NCR. So I'm going to put that one later this week at some point on our Patreon as a bonus for Patreon backers there. That one's longer. That one's about half an hour long. So bonus Bublik if you want to join us at Patreon, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We'll put that up sometime this week. And in the meantime, here is today's chat with the victor, Alexander Bublik, aka Sasha Bubbles, aka hashtag Bubbles for Raleigh G. He's an interesting guy. It's an interesting chat. Hope you enjoy. So, Hi, Ben. How you doing, man? Congratulations. Thanks, Ben. What What does this win mean for you, beating Gallic Malfis at a tournament like this? So, a very good win for me, you know, especially on the French Open on clay. So, first top 10. So, yeah, it's pretty important, I think. It's just that means that I can play anyone on clay. Maybe not Rafa or Dominic, but okay, maybe I play Dominic good. So, yeah. maybe not Rafa, but you know. At least uh, maybe I'm going to believe myself more in clay and then in the, in the future in my career, maybe I can have some good results in clay too. What gave you the belief that you could do something in this match that you hadn't done before, like you said, beating a, a top 10 guy? I don't know. I was just hitting a ball. You know, I came to the point where I don't really care, you know. Like I just came on, I just come on court and play, and play tennis, hit the balls, whatever. If it doesn't go, it doesn't go. You can't do anything against it. You know, if you don't hitting the lines, it means you don't need to hit the lines. So simple. And then some guys making uh, everything, all the lines, all the net course, everything, and they win. And sometimes it doesn't go anything. So today I decided, okay, if it goes, it goes. If not, whatever. And it worked out. So it's a lot of luck you're saying then? Or is there or it's just I believe, you... uh, I, I believe that tennis is uh, at a certain level, there is more than 20, 30% of luck. Because when you see the guys playing, one point decides everything. Yeah. So, and I truly believe in that because sometimes, you know, you can serve an ace down the line and it's touching, like a clicking a bit and you win a match. And, some, and it's next day it's going out and you're losing it because then the guy played good. Because there is a certain, you know, I, everybody, like I can play 20 shots in a row, it's not a problem. But the important one, when I step in and I hit down the line, if I do everything right, then the wind can just put the ball away. Simple, over. Yeah. So... Locks has to be there, and there is a big amount of luck in the professional tennis at the very high level. At the low level, like, I mean, not the low, but if you play, like, 200 challengers, there is a skill, because the skill set, obviously, of Gaia Monfils and the guy ranked 150, yeah. like a normal 150, I'm not speaking someone who get injured or someone who is rising up. A normal, steady 150 
it's a huge difference in level. So there is no luck would be. Maybe one match, the guy will win, but in 10 appearances, the guy will win nine or maybe 10. Yeah. But if we're speaking about the match when the guys are both the same level, both equally like ranked, maybe, you know, fifth, like, like me, I'm 50 and Gael is nine. So basically it's not the same level, but, you know, we're somewhere close, you know, like maybe he's a bit better, but today I was a better player and I had more luck on my side. Because when I hit that surf and it's touching the, like a bit of a line, you know, he got frustrated, you know, so it's all about, it's not all about, but it's a lot of luck. Does, does that belief in luck help you relax? If you're just sort of, if you can just sort of be like, eh, you know, it, it, it can go well, one way or the other. True, you know? yeah. That's true, you know, it's, it's life. You don't know when you sit in the car what's going to happen. So you just hope for the best. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, when I came to the point when I realized it's like this, and the whole life is like this, you know, you never know if you're getting some problems tomorrow or today in 20 minutes. So then you just need to, you know, do whatever you need to do and then relay on destiny. That's what I say. I wonder if this relaxed, you've had good results the last couple of weeks now. I'm just wondering if this relaxed attitude makes you unique during this time in the world during this pandemic when everyone is so stressed right now. If you well, have, why if, you if, be so stressed? There is nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I'm saying that that's, that attitude, I feel like, is relatively unique and will help people. This attitude came in way before. This attitude came in, like, 2018, end of 2018, when I dropped to 220 or something. Mm -hmm. I felt like quitting tennis, maybe, because I don't want to really play on a 220 level. And then I say, okay, freak out, whatever. If it's not working, it's not working. I don't give a fuck. Or sorry. I don't give a shit. Sorry. Again. <laughs> whatever. Like, you know, so I don't, I don't care. But... You know, after when I realize, you know, it's not it's not has to be like, you know, when you're just throwing a match because ah, it doesn't work. You have to be smart with it because you have to, you know, speak to the right people, read the right books. And, you know, you have to realize that you have to be in control, which you can really control, because if something, you know, I cannot control if my opponent hitting a down the line winner on deuce, I can't do anything against it. Yeah. Or if the ball keep dropping a ball when I'm when I'm hitting a smash in the match point, I can't do anything against it. And it can happen. Of course, I'm getting frustrated because I'm not, you know, I'm not 65. I'm still getting frustrated and, you know, swearing and trying to win because I'm still feeling, you know, a bit upset when the things are not going your way, which is normal. But yeah. overall, you have to be calm and realize, you know, it's only tennis and the thing is just hit the ball and try to do the right thing. So so who are you talking to? What books are you reading that's giving you this, this perspective in life? Well, I read honestly a lot of books like i do maybe two in a month like big ones like i'm reading faust of Goethe now hmm. like a second time maybe i'm reading tough books like i don't read like normal like you know just for fun i read when i need answers when i when i feel i came to the point you know when i i need to do the next step and i don't know how to do it i i'm just i have like everybody having their old mans you know i call some i have a guy he's 75 years old and he just saying okay read this one it's nice, you know, and I say, I don't like it. I throw it away. I read another one. And then you, you know, all of a sudden you feel some, you know, some sentences. I have a book and I just put down everything. And then when I feel, when I feel bad or something, I just roll it up and say, okay, whatever. Who, who is this old man? Where did you find him? Well, he's just a friend of friend, uh, like, like a normal old man, you know? Okay, sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask you also about in Hamburg, you were hitting a lot of underhand serves, which made me very happy. Not a lot. I hit three in a row okay. against I get one against Felix Ace, once against Garen Ace, and once against Monfils Ace. So it's only three. Okay, but that's a yeah. lot for most people, right? Three. I mean, most people don't hit three yeah. in a career. So hitting three in a week is a lot by ATP standards. Yeah, you agree? Probably. I don't know. It's still. Okay. I'm missing Nick. I'm missing my boy Nick here. We would do <laughs> 25 in a week. So, but it with all these guys standing back, like I watched. 
team, you know, playing, and he's standing basically with his butt on the wall when he's returning. I want so many more guys to try to exploit that to hit short serves, whether it's, you know, underhand, obviously, or hitting just even just a really short overhead serve. And almost no one's doing that. I mean, how much do you think that your kind of tactics can actually change the way men's tennis is going? Because everyone's standing so far back now that they're leaving open this this big op- option for you. Well, to be honest, serve and good underarm serve is very tough. So I really practice. You know, I'm only serving underarms in a second in a, in, a, in a ad court because it's only position when you can really drop shot. And I don't really like, you know, I don't really think of a big tactic moment, you know. Gael was standing in the, on the line today and he still couldn't get it because it was just good timing and good luck, you know, just a big of big thing of luck. So what are the keys to a good underhand serve then? Yeah, of course, 50% is luck, maybe 70, 70. Okay. And what's the rest? Balls. Balls. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> You've had plenty of that lately. Are you getting, in, in terms of your you know, philosophy on life and being relaxed, how does that mix with, with ambition for you? How, how do you how do you stay wanting to achieve things, but, but also being... I don't believe in ambitions, to be honest. Sorry, I, don't like the, I don't like ambition, people. No? No. I think you have to set goals. Ambition is something, like, usually people breaks when they have a lot of ambition and it doesn't pay out. People get nuts, got alcoholic, narcotics and everything. Usually if you see all these ex-famous guys, they all break up because they have so many ambitions to go further, further, further up. Mm-hmm. And then when, the, you know, there is a limit for everything. And I don't want to hit that wall because when I had a lot of ambitions back when I was young, when I was 19, I'm breaking top 100, you know, I want to be there, blah, 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 play everything. And then I hit my wall, break my ankle and then realize, okay, whatever, it doesn't help. Ambitions, they're like in a bad way. Like ambitions, like speaking about, like when you're, like you say, you know, guy practicing 15 hours a day, you know, sleeping with a tennis racket, and then he lose a match, and he say, "Why I'm doing that?" Because he, like any 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 person will say at a certain point, if the things doesn't go right, he will ask himself, "Why? Why am I doing that?" And then one one person will go up, and he have maybe have ambitions of whatever, and he's gonna achieve it, which is good because. The, the very great people like Roger, like Rafa, whatever we have, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, they probably were so ambitious, but it's only 10 people in the world. It's only 20 people. Only 10 people in the world who, who succeed, you think? Yeah, maybe 20 people, maybe 100 people, maybe yeah. half percent, or not even half, maybe 1.001. Yeah. And all the rest are breaking down. And I believe, I don't want to hit that wall again, so I believe in the short, I have a long-term goal, Actually, my long-term goal is more of a like a like a normal life. You know, I want to be a normal man at the age of 35. You know, I want to have a family. I want to have kids. You know, I want to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. And if you really break yourself during this period, you know, that's gonna that can be very tough for you in the future. So I have my goals in tennis. I slowly try to succeed in them. But if it doesn't work, I will not break down. Hopefully, I'm not gonna say I will not, but hopefully, it will not happen to me. Do you do you see people breaking down around you in the world of tennis who, who are struggling with the stress there? Of course, everyone like a lot, especially when I play challenger in the futures. Yeah. Why would you break when you're playing uh, French Open or when you're making a hundred thousand for one match? Why would you break? Yeah. Like makes no sense, but of course, but to get here, that's a lot of breakthrough. That's why you guys call it breakthrough because it's a it's very tough. Yeah. 
Did you always believe that you would get to back to this level after you had your dip down to 200? Well, somehow I always believed that I'm, I can do it. Like somehow in, inside of me, I always thought like, okay, whatever. When I was a kid, I was always saying, okay, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play that. You know, I was very, I was very loud kid. So I was always telling, okay, but I remember, I still remember when I first practiced with Gael in Monte Carlo and uh, I said, okay, in three years, I beat you. He said, no, no chance. I didn't beat him in three years, basically, because I was 16 back then. <laughs> but I said, like, I beat you in three years. I was telling this uh, t- telling this to the guys. <laughs> so I was this kind of kid. So I always had it in me and, you know, to play here, to play French Open and winning matches. You know, it's awesome. It's a good luck. Last question for me. If, if you could be someone else's old man someday for a young player on tour, what kind of advice would you, would you give when you get to be somebody else's old man? Well, depends what kind of person is that. I don't, I don't believe in advices too. You have to, you know, show a person the answer. You don't have to give advice. Advices also breaks people because advice can be bad. Advice cannot work with a certain person. So I believe in saying when I had a lot of young guys, you know, following me, asking me. So I always try not to say a certain things to them because when they ask me, well, how should I play uh, this guy or how should I practice? I never say you have to do this. I have to say, okay, you know, maybe you have to do this. Maybe you can do that. And I give them maybe 15 examples and then they have to choose their own. Because if I really, you know, advise them and if and maybe one guy, maybe the guy's sleeping and seeing me and then I advise him and he's going to do it and it doesn't work. And then he's going to, you know, break down and I will feel, you know, like I break the guy. So I don't th- really think at the moment, maybe in 30 years I change and I say, okay, I'm going to give advices everywhere, you know? But at the moment, I don't think that's right because to the, with the with the guys I speak, with the like smart men I speak to, they never give advices. They always give you like a thought to work with. Cool. That's what I think. Well, those are good thoughts. Thank you, Sasha. Appreciate it. Thank you. So thank you very much to Alexander Bublik for coming on NCR. And thank you all for listening to the show once more. And thank you to our Patreon Slam Champ backers for backing us within them every episode. Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Leo Williams, Chuang Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Sean Mulroy, Joseph Haar, Susanna W., and Antonio Maycumber, and our GOAT backers, Mike, Charles Cena, Christopher Bishop, and J.O.D. As I mentioned, we're going to have more Bublik bonus, Bublik bonus bubbles on the Patreon later this week. So if you haven't backed and you want to hear more Sasha Bublik, it's a great chance to do that. And if you just also enjoy the daily shows we're doing, I want to show your support for them as well. Also, we appreciate that. And if you have suggestions for things you want to hear on upcoming shows, and we have 13 more daily shows to crank out during this French Open, let us know. We'd be happy to get suggestions and inspiration from you guys. That would be much appreciated. You send us emails with those. No challenges remaining at gmail.com. Also tweeted us at NCR underscore tennis. Oh, one more. Sorry. Sorry. One new Patreon backer to thank this week on the Patreon front is Craig Lee. So thank you to Craig Lee for signing on since we last recorded an episode. And yeah, that'll do it for us. Bye, guys. It's simple as something that nobody knows that the eyes are as big as above the toes and the feet of a queen of the heart of the car. Feet are infested with tall balls. And la da 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 la da 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 la da 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 la da La-da-da-da-da-da-da La-da-da-da-da-da La-da-da-da-da-da-da